0: But today, we are closing waiting, and um, we're going to be only in, the book, only in the book of Luke in one very specific section, because this has been about how to establish rhythms, how to fill your spiritual tank, especially in seasons of kind of quiet, not to immediately fill you know, your, your, your life with stuff all the time and you're just kind of moving from thing to thing to thing to thing, that it's okay to have moments of calm and to use those moments of calm to refill ourselves spiritually. January is a great time to do that um, because you're just coming off of Christmas and all the busyness of that. Um, and I have to give you a lot of credit for pushing through today, uh, especially when you woke up, and, you know, you started your car, I hate that feeling of, your car probably felt like you did. Uh, like everything was just like stiff and tough and didn't, not necessarily wanted to get going. And uh, to, to be in service this morning uh, is really cool because a couple weeks ago, I think it, I've always been amazed by the resiliency of Northern Minnesotans. Um, a couple weeks back, it snowed like three, four inches in Cincinnati, and my friends, all oh, my pastor friends back there, canceling services all over the place, and um, it wasn't even like a thought. you just like, hey, it's, oh, it's not negative 20 anymore, so that's negative 10. That's That warmed up, and let's let's get the kids, go to church, um, so thank you for, for being here, and one of the reasons, if you're a parent, you wonder, like, why did we have the kids in here this morning, once a month or so... Uh, especially on fifth Sundays, we'll do what's called family worship. And what that is, is we want the kids in the service to experience big church. We don't want their first time to ever experience big church. uh when they get to sixth grade and they come out of Kids Ridge and like, what is this? So that's why. And hopefully they, they get to see you worship and you get to kind of see them, you know, sit there and figure it out. And, and that's, that's why we do the family worship. Today in Luke... Um, Jesus is going to be doing a lot of healings. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is all about establishing... uh, His theme seems to be establishing the authority and power of God. And he does that repeatedly, over and over. He tells stories that one thing... Jesus did this, Jesus did this, like big authority type scripture... And in Luke in chapter 4, he's healing people, he's driving out demons, he's preaching in synagogues. It's all about establishing who he is. And so people were coming to Jesus for healing because they, he had a reputation. Um, they, they knew, maybe they had heard stories of people that he had healed. And, and for us, we go to Jesus for healing or for, ask for help or, or for healing because we believe he can because we believe he has power, because we believe the script in the authority of the scriptures that said this is what he did. And so when we believe that, uh, we, maybe you have gone to Jesus and says, can you please heal my marriage or somebody's sick? You, you ask him for help because we believe that he can. And that's what's happening here. There's going to be two instances of a healing that are very different from one another. I'm kind of fascinated by there's a pivot in the middle. So let's go to Luke chapter 5. In verse 12, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he believed and knew this was where I need to go. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let's go back to verse 15. The news about him is beginning to spread. And he tells this man, don't tell anybody about your healing, but they're going to see it. But he's not, he's not supposed to be announcing You know this this healing just yet. There's a lot of uh, debates around why does Jesus you know tell this person not to say anything, and he tells other people go uh, go celebrate, show your family. Uh, In this one, he says don't tell anyone. Uh, Some thoughts is this is a Jewish area around Capernaum, and this would have gotten him in a a couple in, in a trouble because a he would be announcing himself as having this divine authority, but also he touched. The leper. You don't do that back then. If you had leprosy, you were immediately ostracized, you were pushed to the edge of society. You were seen as somebody you know that you could not be around or touch because you did not want to catch what he had. Jesus said, He healed him, he touched him, and said, Be clean. That would have made Jesus immediately unclean in the eyes of some of the wrong people. But then after this healing. In verse 16, Luke puts this in. and says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Often. After this moment, he was beginning to have all these crowds come around because they had heard what he was capable of. And maybe it was just too noisy or energy you know, giving. It was just one of those things. And At this point, and he does this repeatedly throughout the, the Gospels, He'll say, I'll be back in a little bit. I got to go have a conversation with the Father. And it's in preparation for what happens in verse 17. So we have a private healing. Goes away and he prays. And in verse 17, the story continues. One day Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they tried taking him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend... Your sins are forgiven. So he healed the leper, went away and prayed. And then there's a meeting at a house. And there's Pharisees, teachers of the law. They're all gathered around hearing this. And this is going to be, there's no going back from this, basically. This is going to be a very public moment. When I read this story, I'm always interested by a couple of things. But there's this crowd around this house. And the guys try to get their buddy in there, but they can't. So they go up the top of the roof, and they begin peeling away tiles and thatch and grass, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they lower him down. This is not an easy task by any stretch. I, I always wonder about who owned the house. And um, the the like, really, but you know, taking apart my roof—that's um, a, a bit of an issue. You know, I. I- Regardless, you know, probably you, it would be great after the healing. Healing, you'd be fine because you're like, okay, well, that was worth it. Um, but you, all you're going to see is light and dust and a dude descending down. Then he's going to land in front of Jesus and you're going, you broke my house. Uh, so hopefully they fixed it afterwards. But then Jesus says, let's go to verse 20. He saw their faith and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Is he physically healed yet? Jesus deals with the spiritual issue first here. This is going to get him into trouble, because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are going to be going to start whispering. So I want you just—it's not going to be on the screen because I want you to picture the room: noisy, crowded, dusty now because of all the stuff coming down from the roof. You don't know what's going on, and. This rabbi just said, I forgive you Just pause and reflect on kind of the what you are witnessing in that moment. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, begin thinking to themselves, Who is this who speaks such blasphemy? So now they're throwing that term out. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. There's no going back from this. He calls himself the Son of Man and he also says, and I can do what I want. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, go home. And immediately he stands up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and they went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things. Jesus healed the leper privately, goes away in praise. Now he has this moment of public pronouncement there's no going back from that this is what they will accuse him of very quickly right after this The ministry, his ministry begins to ramp up. He's going to go and find Matthew. He's going to be accused of eating with sinners. Um, They're going to question him about how he practices the Sabbath, whether or not he can heal or his disciples are eating grains on the Sabbath. They're working on the Sabbath. They're going to be coming at him with blasphemy charges left and right. And this will be leading up into Holy Week and the Passion where he is crucified and dies and is resurrected. Kind of starts in Luke's gospel really to ramp here. Now we see um, scenes like this, and, and go to verse 16 for me and just leave it there for quite a while. Um, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why do I think that I don't have to do this too? How often do you withdraw? to lonely or quiet places to pray. If the Son of God needed to do this, who am I? When I read this, I go, oof, that impacts my schedule. That impacts my, you know, you read this and you go, why do I act like I don't have to do this in my life? And that's what this waiting thing has been. This is Jesus' pattern. He'll do this the night before he's to be crucified. When something big is getting ready to come, he seems to withdraw. When there's crowds around him, he goes, I'll be right back. I have to go over here for a little while. And he goes and he almost, I don't know, it it gets filled. And then he comes back and he empties himself out again. And there's a scene in my mind and I, I see it and I wonder like, why don't I do this? Why do we, as people, think that we can just run like crazy and never just have solitude? You ever have a day where you, you don't, if you like, set aside a day and you don't accomplish anything, there's almost a sense of guilt that rises up a little bit in us going, man, I didn't get anything done today. I was lazy. When in the, in the Bible, God, at the very beginning, establishes, hey, everybody, take a day take a day. I needed it because I rested on the seventh. You're going to need it. And we get, yeah, that's fine. No, I don't know if you understand how busy I really am. So eventually that got whittled out. And it used to be two just two generations ago, there was a day we didn't necessarily take it fully off, but there wasn't a ton to do. Restaurants were closed, shopping was closed. Everybody just kind of said, hey, this is home day. Now Sunday is the day that you got to get stuff done before you get to Monday because there's stuff. There's different Monday things, so you got to get stuff done on Sunday. And we just stack it. Two gener- within two generations, you know, um, church, this is why I just give you guys credit, church attendance on, on Sundays went from, you know, around 42 weekends a year on average. Now it's 24. So every week, I see half the church on average. And I get it. I, we're very busy. There's many decisions that go into that. And, and that's okay. And especially now, it's so much easier to do with uh, online church and options like that and if you're watching right now thank you for watching but watching church and going to church are two entirely separate things and watching church is a great you know it's there but going to church and being the church and choosing that is a, it's an absolute choice especially mornings like this you had the decision jammies and a fire or waking up putting pants on, getting hard pants on, is what my family calls jeans, right? We're going to put hard pants on and go to church. That was a choice. This will not happen accidentally. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There will be urgent things. I always think about when I read these, these stories of... Um, all these crowds are coming around or the moment when he had to leave that house and there were people there that didn't get to him yet. And he had to say, I, I I'm done. I got to go away or the people that, that didn't necessarily get that healing in that, in that moment. But Jesus said, I, I need to, the crowds are too much right now. I need to go taking care of himself spiritually because we can run ourselves down physically and then our spiritual doesn't get filled. I love the order that he healed this man and he healed his sins first. That was what was most important at that point. He said, like, what's, it's easy to say get up and walk. I'm dealing with his sins. That's even more complicated. Get up and walk. Go home. Have fun. But the sins, the spiritual matter, that, that was what was the most important at that point. And so we love... Moving from thing to thing to thing. Um, And and we love what are called mountaintop moments. Those big moments in our life where we feel, you know, like God, really close to God and fulfilling that. And then we call, you know, when stuff's really kind of going rotten, like, like, oh, I'm in a valley right now. But what's weird is I withdraw to lonely places and pray way more often in valleys than I do on mountaintops. I don't love that that's what it takes. I don't love that I have to find myself in a valley and just rest there in that and to say, God, I need your help here. I wish I would communicate more often on the mountains when stuff's going great. But we don't very often do that. I a family this past summer. Um, when I was on our sabbatical, my family came over, I was over in Scotland, and we were over there, and we were traveling through the highlands, and if you are car sick at all, you will get car sick in Scotland. Um, and Blake, apparently, uh, we learned, uh, has a bit of that. And uh, so she had kind of this struggle the whole time. We eventually found those little wristbands and dramamine, and that worked. But well, there is a spot that I really wanted to go to uh, in this area called Glencoe. And you can put it up on the screen um, there. And it, it, it's right, it's called like the Three Sisters. And it's one of the kind of more scenic, but it's really off the beaten path. And uh, this is where they filmed uh, the movie Skyfall of uh, James Bond. His house was here, and I just like, always wanted to see it. And Blake was done driving at this point. We had another thing to do. We didn't get to because Blake was like, do not put me back in that car right now if you want to get the security deposit back. Um, right? So we had to rest. We had to stop here and just sit. And we missed out on something. And when I was writing this message, I thought about, like, this was a broken plan. This, we had something else to get to that we did not get to because we had to stop here. It's not a bad place to stop. And we rested here. And... It's one of my favorite memories in that. In this valley, we stopped. If you are going through a spiritual valley where it just feels low, that is, put uh, verse 16 back up for me, that is exactly when you need to withdraw and pray and communicate and talk. This is that scene in our lives where, you know, but we, we will fill this... With busyness and activity, getting on to the next thing, it's okay to wait and rest here in the knowledge that you know someone who can heal you. So if you're feeling kind of like low on the tank, and, and these rhythms and patterns that we need to build into our lives, we can replace them with other things, like all good things or urgent things. There will always be something urgent in our life that we need to get done. However, what is more important? Our faith and our our communication with God or that urgent thing? And that's a decision that we have to make. That is an intentional decision to say, you know what, I know that's urgent, I'll get to that, but I have to do this first. Because if I get to that urgent thing and I have not filled myself up, then I'll just move from urgent to urgent to the next thing that's on fire will always be there. And that's really, I think, what's going on in a lot of us. That's why I wanted to to use this message to to end the series on this message is because if Jesus needed to do this, he had a ton of urgent things to get done. There's always going to be somebody that needed healing, somebody that needed his touch, somebody that needed to be with him. That was always there. But he said, you know what? I need to pray. I need... To go away. I need to withdraw. If Jesus needed that pattern, why don't I? So it means saying no to some stuff, it means missing out on some things. It means changing your schedule or your plan. You know, it used to be a day. Then it became a little bit of time. Then it became, you know, an hour on a Sunday. And we can do, now we do half of that. Uh, When does this stop? I I don't know. But we, as individuals, can change that and say, you know what? Today, I'm choosing this. Today, you probably don't have a lot of plans. Other than eating soup and um, hanging out putting, you know, maybe... Today's a great opportunity. That's why I wanted to land this in January. Today's a great opportunity to spend time in prayer, in communication, scripture. Give it 20 minutes. I know that doesn't sound like much, but it's more than the 10 minutes last month, which is more than the five the week before. You know, it's just just more quality we can start with that because culture will take your quality time with god away very easily we have uh in our pockets a time sucking machine uh that you can all of a sudden just be scrolling you're like ah i spent more time on this than anything put it down um There is a really weird uh, app on your phone. It's called the power button. (laughs) And you can turn it off. And because we have to withdraw from things to get next to God. And I would rather be there than over here. But it takes a decision. An intentional choice. And it's a repeated pattern built up over time. It's a discipline. It's work. But the payoff and the benefit is, if I'm closer to God, I will look more like him. I will act more like Jesus. I will speak more like Jesus. I will know his voice. So when you're asking those questions, why does God seem so distant? Who walked away? So it's in those moments we have to withdraw from other things to get next to God and be intentional and choose that. If Jesus needed this pattern, why don't I? Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, as we pause here for a moment, As we're in this quiet space. We see the time spent on urgent things. But not enough on important things. So Lord, today, in the cold, in the season that you bring to us, May we take the opportunity to be with you in rest, in solitude, and to be in your presence. If you needed to do it, we do as well. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.